Hello, church family. Uh, as we continue on with our series through the fruit of the spirit, uh, to just remind you what we've covered so far. Uh, we've covered love, joy, and today we're going to do peace. Um, peace is, uh, I think, something that everybody wants, much like joy, but yet they can't find it. In fact, uh, depending on <laughs> If you look at history, most of the peace treaties that are made, uh, they don't really last that long. Uh, uh, for whatever reason, um, peace treaties, especially established by man, there's always eventually something that will trigger people to let go of that peace. Um, but yet, we know as Christians that peace is not from this world. It is much like joy, it's not based on the circumstance we're in. Um, everyone in our world wants peace, but they find it in the wrong places. The word peace, uh, we get I mean, the English word or name, um, the Greek word is actually is Irene, uh, which, you know, we have people in our church with that name, uh, which is actually a Greek version of the Hebrew word shalom. And uh, in the Old Testament, the word shalom for peace is often um, connected to when God uh, blesses the individuals, uh, when he blesses the nation, when uh, he gives them uh, prosperity, and when he gives them protection, and when he gives them wealth, and all the things that um, that that's good in life, uh, that's when they have peace. Uh, you'll see progressively through the Old Testament that uh, the only there's very rare in the Old Testament where the, the nation of Israel actually had peace. A lot of it is is in the poetry or looking forward to the day where there is peace. And that's largely because the most of Israel's history is, is, is drenched in sin. Um, they lived in their lives according to their own selfish desires and chose not to follow God, and which resulted in them in not getting any peace. Um, but yet for us Christians, we understand that uh, peace does not mean that it's an, doesn't mean that there's an absence of turmoil in life. Uh, we are in the. We can be peaceful people in terms of what's, what what we how how we think about life, even if the whole world is falling apart. Um, and I think there's something about the human heart where there's this uh, this deep seated um, desire to want peace, uh, but the world will do everything to get it or to, to or to keep it, but they will never truly find it. Uh, the peace that's in this world is from the world, and the, therefore it's not going to last, much like the world itself. And I think the Bible is clear, too, that uh, the only true people that can have peace are those that believe in him. Uh, Isaiah 57, verse 21, this is familiar to all of us. Um, Isaiah 51, 57, verse 21, tells us there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. Uh, wicked people are not going to have peace because they live uh, in sin, and sin uh, distorts everything. Uh, it doesn't give you lasting peace. So when the world is constantly striving to find <clears throat> ways to have peace on earth, uh, we understand that it's never going to happen. It's just uh, something like chasing the wind and trying to catch the wind. It's just not going to happen. Uh, Ezekiel 13 speaks of these false uh, prophets that try to give false peace by making people worship false gods. Ezekiel 13.10 
it is definitely because they have misled my people by saying peace when there is no peace and when anyone builds a wall behold they plaster it over with whitewash uh, so this is again context of false prophets giving these uh, false assurances to the people of Israel when God was going to set a judgment on them these prophets said oh don't worry about those God don't worry about God's judgment don't worry about those uh, things that's going to happen uh, we have peace we have this lasting peace um, and God finds that offensive because he knows that he's the only one that can give peace and these false prophets give uh, a false sense of hope and we even see that with the prosperity gospel people or even different type of uh, philosophy things that like things that you need to do to achieve peace but in reality no matter how much you do in this life peace only comes when you're reconciled with the lord now, the book of ecclesiastes tells that everything is empty without god and you cannot find peace that what you think what the world thinks as peace is uh is not that it's just uh it's it's a lie that people are buying into um and we know peace is only from god uh isaiah 53 tells us that in you know, prophesying uh, the savior that there's going to be a, a, a prince of peace that's going to uh, fix everything and um and how that's going to come for us isn't through some political thing but first and, and primarily through our right relationship with the lord uh, Jesus is known as the Prince of Peace, and he offers to all who um, goes to him, all of those who believes in him, and all those who trust in Jesus Christ, they they receive peace from the Lord. Uh, let me just jot down, uh, just go through a list of verses where it describes that, um, and you don't have to turn to it; you just listen. Um, John 14, verse 27, it reads. John 14, 27, reads, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives, uh, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Um, you heard that I said to you, I go away and I will come to you. If you love me, you will have rejoiced because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. This is... Um, Again, this is the uh, Christ telling his disciple that he's going to go away, but he uh, is going to give them the Holy Spirit. And he doesn't give them the Holy Spirit just so that they can understand Scripture, though that's part of it, or to seal their salvation, although that's part of it too. But the Holy Spirit gives peace, and that's what uh, we have with the, with the fruit of Spirit. This fruit of Spirit is derived from a saved person, uh, to, to derived from the Holy Spirit in a life of a saved person, uh, that they have this unique type of peace that... Uh, that only the Lord can provide. Acts chapter 10, verse 36 says, The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Christ Jesus, he is the Lord of all. Um, and again, in this context of Acts 10, and the Gentiles who've been looking for uh, Jesus, Peter preaches to them, uh, and he explains that the only people, only one that can give you peace is Jesus of Nazareth. And then they go down and Peter explains, just preaching the gospel to Gentiles, and they hear this good news, and that they find peace. Um, we know as well, Ephesians 2.14, this is a familiar passage to us. Ephesians 2, uh, verse 14 to 18. Um, For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one, uh, and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity 
which is in the law of command, meant contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make two into one new man, thus establishing peace, uh, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by having it put to death the enmity. Uh, verse 17, And he came and preached peace to you who are far away, and peace to you is those who are near. For through him we have both have access in one spirit to the Father. And this is the passage that I would argue um, how we would call racial reconciliation. It can only happen inside the context of the church. Um, and it says, like, the reason why that is is because Christ died for the, the, the the, the sins of Gentiles and Jews, um, and in the context of the church, they're both made into one. Uh, no matter how, uh, the world all would always want to have peace with you know, different groups, but it's not going to happen because usually the group that is making the conditions is favors themselves more. It's very rarely, if ever, uh, there's ever a peace tree that uh, favors both equally. But with the church, especially with the gospel, we have that. We have this peace that is that's unique. And the world looks to look at the church and say, how come they can have recon- racial reconciliation? How come they can be so loving towards one another? How come they can love each other so so well? How come they can serve each other? How can they look past the, all of the past uh, sins and everything? Well, it's because we understand that uh, no matter where you are, you're sinners, and when you're part of the body of Christ, you're reconciled to the Lord and also reconciled to one another. Uh, and by that, I mean you don't need to. Um, your your main role isn't first and foremost to reconcile with horizontal relationships, but when you have your uh, relationship with the vertical to the Lord, then the horizontal will come naturally as an outflow of that. Um, Christ reconciled two different people to one, into one body. We, as a church, should be that distinctive in that way. Uh, we make the gospel lovely because we, sh- we, sh- we show the world that this is what peace, true peace comes from. It only comes through the life and death of Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, verse 20, it reads, uh, I'm going to start from verse 19. For it was all, for it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile all things to Himself, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Through Him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Um, yeah, this is Paul explaining the supremacy of Christ. Uh, how, because of what Christ has done, we are now uniquely reconciled to Him. And uh, we have peace with the Lord uh, God, and therefore we have peace in this life. Again, much like joy and love, as I said earlier, how you understand the gospel is going to give you um, really the motivation, drive to continue to live faithful lives. Uh, in this case, if you if you understand the gospel and you cherish the gospel, you understand that's where peace comes from. Your peace is found in the gospel. Hebrews 13. Verse 20, now the God of peace who brought up from the dead great she- the, the great shepherd of sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equipped you in every good thing to do his will, knowing in us, working in us, which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Uh, the writers of Hebrew explains that because of what Christ has done, 
uh, because God, a peace of reconciling, restored our relationship with him. He's given us the ability to do everything uh, for him and that's pleasing to him. Uh, you can love people in ways that you couldn't have loved before Christ. You can have joy the way that you couldn't have before Christ. And you can also have peace in a way that you will never have unless you have Jesus Christ. Even First Peter uh, 5, 7 tells us that we need to humble ourselves, uh, humble ourselves under the hand, under the mighty hand of God, uh, that he may exalt you to the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And the main verb here from verse 6 and 7 is the word humble. Um, I think there's something about anxiety, which is in a lot of ways the opposite of uh, peace, uh, that the remedy of it is actually humbly acknowledging that you can't do it on your own. Um, it's this humble acknowledgement that the, your life is falling apart, that the world uh, that you live in is, 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 is always in shambles, and the only way you can find peace is if you acknowledge uh, that you need the Lord, that you need the Lord to take over. Um, humility is what causes us to trust in the Lord. Um, this word anxious, this really means to divide over divide over everything. It's like in your mind, you're like just unsure of things. You're constantly in turmoil. And, uh, and But yet, when we focus on the Lord, when we humble ourselves and focus, Lord, that's where we find peace. Um, it's hard to keep uh, peace if your focus is on the ability or circumstances around you. Instead, our focus is supposed to be on God and sovereignty. God's sovereignty secures our peace, and that, that knowledge keeps us from losing our peace. Um, so, again, much like yesterday, what are the ways in which we can lose our peace? Uh, I have seven of them. First, hidden sin. Uh, hidden sin always keeps people from peace because there's always that fear of getting caught. Uh, you're always, uh, in a way, always looking over your shoulders and trying to make sure that no one knows that you're living in this certain sin. Um, but yet, at the same time, if we have no sin, there's nothing to be worried about. Um, there, there, we don't need to worry about any, being exposed in any way uh, because we're living in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. The Lord sees all things, and that should drive us to confess every type of hidden sin. But if you're hiding sin, inevitably you'll lose your peace. Uh, I remember one of my friends that uh, worked at Grace Church, he said that he got scared one one afternoon when John MacArthur called into his office and he was like, what sin did I commit? And it had nothing to do with sin. He just asked for like some help with some paper or whatever. But it was just funny to see his reaction that like he, his first initial reaction, like does, does John MacArthur know some sin about me that I don't even know about? Um, but you know, for us, like there's something about when we, when we think or know that we're hiding something, we tend to be very anxious uh, because we don't want our sins to be exposed. Uh, so hidden sin robs us of peace. Um, second one is uncertainty. Um, you know, when you look at the world, you're always dwelling on the uncertain things that you have no control over. Um, but yeah, that's what we're, we're called to have our confidence in the Lord. Uh, we don't even know if we'll make it to tomorrow, so why worry about to, uh, tomorrow? Um, we're called to be uh, anxious for nothing. Uh, well, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but we'll, we'll talk more about Philippians 4 in a sec. But uncertainty is usually, um, uh, constantly dwelling on uncertainty usually means you have a lack of confidence in the Lord. If there's something that you could do about it, you should do it. But if, you, if you've done all you can, there's nothing to worry about. Uh, so if you're, for example, applying for school, you just turn all your class, you do it. 
turn all your applications. That's all you can really do about it. Like your worrying is not going to change anything. If you jo- apply for a job, same thing. You do your interview faithfully. You turn. You make sure your resume is at top notch and doing as active worship. And in the end, just wait. You just have to trust in the Lord. Um, you know, uncertainty will force us to be more dependent on the Lord. So in order to overcome uncertainty, we need to have confidence in Him. And that's what will give us peace. So hidden sin, uncertainty. Third, control freaks. If you're a control freak, you will never find peace because you'll always try to be in control of your life and the Lord will make sure that you will lose control. He will just remove control from you altogether. Uh, there's a reason why in James it speaks about how it's foolish um, to think that there is going to be tomorrow because there's the assumption that you can control fate. Uh, you can control destiny or you can control the outcome. But in reality, we can't. God is in sovereign control and we need to react and uh, knowing that the Lord causes all things for our good and for his glory. Uh, control free people are always going to focus on the details and always try to make sure that that the, that everything you do it has at least a 99.99% chance of success. Um, but the Lord uh, will humble you if you keep wanting to be controlled absolutely everything in your life. Uh, you will lose peace the moment when there's something uh, that goes uh, off the rails. Again, that's a circumstance thing. But peace is, for us is derived from trusting in the Lord. So hidden sin, uncertainty, control fee, freak. Uh, fourth, pains from the past. Uh, there's just... Uh, pains uh, from the past. Some people, um, you know, you, you've been through some things in your life uh, and, or you're fearful of something that's happened in the past and you think it's going to recur again. But again, you need to trust in the Lord in every circumstance. Uh, the Lord uh, knows and he is the one that you want to cling to. Um, uh, he's the one that's going to give you peace, uh, but you have to continue to look towards him and understand that he's protecting you. Uh, whatever fears that you might have in the past that might uh, make you doubt the Lord in the future, you have to get rid of that. Uh, you have to repent of those things. You have to dwell on God's character and his attributes and see how the Lord has cared for every other saint. I think part of um, one of the things that's encouraging to me is when I read biography or church history, and you can see how the Lord in his sovereign hand protects people or even use difficult circumstances um, for the Lord. Even pa- past pains can be used to comfort others. Right? This is 2 Corinthians 1. Um, you need to see your past pains as a means by which the Lord is e- uniquely equipping you to serve other people, but you don't want to be controlled by the pains of the past. So one way you lose your peace is hidden sin, uncertainty, control, being a control freak, pains from the past. Uh, fifth, uncontrolled desires. Um, Usually that's just a form of idolatry. You want something and you don't have it, so you murder. Right? That's what it says in James. Like you, you don't. Ha- yeah, there's things that you want and you can- and you can't have it, so you lose peace over it. Um, there are all these different stories in the Old Testament where people want something and they can't get it, and they'll have to sin to get it. Um, I was, was reminded of a story as recently in my devotion. I was reading Second Kings about. Um, you know, the guy, that one king that like wanted the vineyard next door, and he asked Jezebel to get it. And then uh, when he didn't get it, uh, when he was asking for that vineyard, he, when he didn't get it, he was like upset and sad and depressed. And the only way that was uh, relieved was when his wife basically staged an assassination or, or framed this guy, and he loses the vineyard. The king gets it, and God is offended by that, and they lose their peace. 
that he lost his peace just in temporal sense, but he lost even more when the kingdom is destroyed. Um, but you know, when we have uncontrolled desires, we lose our peace because we think that obtaining certain things in life will give us peace. Uh, but that is, that's never the case. But we're not made uh, to love the things of this world. And lastly, what what uh, what would make us lose our peace is when we don't trust the Lord. Uh, so I'll end with this uh, because it's, I think, a passage that we are all familiar with. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 tells us that, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And it's interesting. It's like we're called, it's a command to not be anxious. The implication is that anxiousness is sin. But in everything, we're called by prayer and supplication. Supplication is... Is praying uh, for your needs. You're making your needs known before the Lord. You're, you're telling Him, Lord, these are my needs. These are things that I'm struggling with. These are things that I want. Um, can you help me with these things? But yet, it's with this thankful attitude. And I think part of the reason why Paul writes it this way is because Paul understood that God loves him. So whatever the answer may be, if he's saying, can you, Lord, can you deliver me from this? And the Lord says no, he thanks God for it because he knows that's, that means the Lord will sustain him through that trial. We see that with, when he talks about the thorn in the flesh in Second in First Corinthians, or no, Second Corinthians, um, uh, that the thorn in the flesh is in him, and uh, he asked the Lord uh, to deliver him, but the Lord said no, and he keeps him humble, and he's, and he's thankful for it. And that's how... Um, part of the way that we pray, we should always pray um, that whatever the outcome is, uh, that it would that we would <clears throat> that we would honor the Lord in the result of it, um, that we find peace knowing that this is exactly in God's divine will to go through this. But God will always give you the ability to overcome whatever it is in your life. Some of you are probably praying, Lord, help me. Uh, may this COVID nineteen thing uh, get get be done away with sooner and the lord may say no you have to endure this for perhaps say five years then you have to see as the lord in his good and kind sovereign plan will place you in this time for covid for five years but he will sustain you all the way through and that's what and that's who he is the lord will sustain us he'll give us a peace that the world desperately tries to want and to and want to have but they can't have it because they don't have christ um, so that's peace um, again, part of the fruit of the Spirit is unique for the Christian. Uh, so, so far we looked at love, joy, peace. Next, we'll look at patience. Thank you all for listening. I hope this was helpful. Have a blessed day.